1: with the emergency.
2: We're following a developing story, this one out of Colleton County.
1: 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. A
2: double homicide involving a mother and son. Both deaths resulting
3: from apparent gunshot wounds.
1: In this town, it, nobody questioned the Murdochs for 100 years. You know, powerful
2: people make powerful enemies. You commit a murder in the 14th Circuit, the odds of you going to death row are high.
0: From the studios of WCIV, ABC News 4 in Charleston. This is the podcast Unsolved South Carolina. Case file number one, the Murdochs. The night I came over to interview Tommy Moore, he was on call. I
1: guarantee you that one of these phones is going to make noise, so I'm going to put them away.
0: I got there late on a Sunday afternoon. Storms were rolling in and the sun was almost down. Tommy's a trooper set to give a victim statement at Alec Murdoch's bond hearing the next morning, January 10th. First off, you just have to tell me your name. Thomas Moore. Thomas Moore. And who do you work for?
1: Uh, South Carolina Highway Patrol.
0: How long have you been? You're a lieutenant? Yes, ma'am. How long have you been with them?
1: Um, like 24 year and a half years. Just 20? shy of 25.
0: A veteran trooper, Tommy Moore, was often called out to work wrecks, and when the snowstorm of the century hit the low country in January of 2018, there was no question where he needed to be.
1: Yeah, the date the wreck was actually January fourth of 2018 in the morning time, mid morning, maybe 10 o'clock. Um, I don't remember which day it had actually snowed or sleeted, but I do know on that day the road was iced over in most places and we had wrecks galore.
0: To say this was unusual is an understatement. The message from all the emergency personnel that we talked to today and tonight, stay off the roads, stay safe. It is- I'd actually started reporting at ABC News 4 during this snowstorm, all five inches of it. It shut down the airport for days because it was so unexpected. We called it the snowpocalypse.
3: It's been a mess and we really are encouraging people to stay off the roads. There's absolutely no reason to go out if they don't need to go out stay in. Uh, The emergency vehicles are having trouble responding to calls because of the treacherous road conditions.
0: And this layer of ice and snow set off a string of disasters on roadways. As a born and bred Carolinian, I feel safe in saying that nobody knows how to drive down here when it's icy.
1: You had to basically just say, okay, let's put them in line and get to them as we can and prioritize the ones with injuries and things of that nature. So um, knowing that they were had all these, we had troopers and we have limited manpower. Um, All the lieutenants went out to help. And the closest wreck to me happened to be on uh, SC70 near Shillingsbridge Road, it was an overturned vehicle.
0: So somebody had flipped on the ice or the snow?
1: They had uh, slid across the ice, run off the road, hit a ditch, and uh, overturned.
0: So you come out there to assist, basically?
1: Uh, To work the wreck. The gentleman was not injured, but uh, I went out to actually work the wreck itself. I got all his information at some point. We had a discussion, and I made sure he was not injured, and I found out which towing company he wanted to use and made sure they were called, and I went back to my patrol car and we sat down and began to look at his license, registration, all that information to put on the wreck report itself to fill out. And um, the next thing I knew, I just felt a big jolt. Ah! This vehicle ran off the road and struck the back of my patrol car on the side of the road, um, causing it to basically drive up under my car and lift it up and then slam it back down and it broke my seat in the process and threw me back.
0: Tommy says he pretty much knew right off, something was wrong.
1: I've never had a neck injury, but when I started feeling numbness and tingling in my extremities, I I said, well, this can't be good. So I didn't want to move around a lot.
0: He says he did eventually get to a hospital, but the diagnosis and therapy was for a sprained neck. Tommy says it just didn't fit the pain he was having.
1: At some point in the situation, things were not getting better, they were getting worse. And so I just chose, I said, look, I'm going to the doctor. If they want to prove it, I'm going to just seek out my own medical care. And if I had to pay for a doctors, visit, I had to pay for it. That's when he told me I had several issues with my neck, discs wise some fractures um, and that I needed surgery basically now.
0: Tommy had been walking around with a broken neck for months. His health insurance ended up paying for the surgery.
1: Because they knew it was a work injury. They knew apparently it was relayed to them that it was something that needed to be done immediately. At C5, they put in a metal uh, disc. Uh, They actually, Fused C6 and C7 together and put in a metal plate. They had to basically put Humpty Dumpty back together again.
0: But this surgery, it wasn't cheap.
1: Luckily, my health insurance was nice enough to step in and say, we understand the situation and we will pay for it, but it's technically not our responsibility, but we would want to be reimbursed. So I I knew I had to get attorneys involved.
0: Tommy needed a good personal injury lawyer, and his buddy, well, he said he knew the best. When you brought Alec Murdoch into your case and the workman's comp lawyer as well, um, why did you need their services?
1: Well, I mean, I was hit by a car on duty. Um, I was not being given the proper medical care. I mean, I, I don't think there anybody involved in this would would disagree with that. Um, I knew I was hurt. I was listening to my body. I was hurt worse than a sprained neck. The pre- They paid the premium on it. They paid what? It was $100,000 covers and that's what they paid out.
0: So it was $100,000? Yes, ma'am. And that $100,000 came to you? Yes, ma'am. So how did you receive that money?
1: Um, it came in the mail. I was called ahead of time.
0: Tommy says Alec Murdoch explained to him how this would work. There was a check, $100,000 paid toward his settlement, and another $25,000 from Workman's Comp. He says Alec told him that money was in a secure account until his case was sorted out.
1: I've been to his office several times. Um, we've talked on the phone numerous times um, about about things, but I I knew before I got the check, he told me that it, would have to be endorsed by me and would have to be put in with the other money and would have to be in some kind of frozen account to where it could not be touched until things were settled at some point. My understanding, that's where that money was up until the point that uh, Mr. Ball called me and said, look, Tommy, there's a problem. Your money's been taken.
0: What did you think? Think when you heard that, did you have any idea that your money had, was not in that account anymore?
1: No, I mean uh, it kind of takes the wind out you, sale.
0: And how long was that gap of time between the time that you gave him that check and when Mister Ball called and said your money is missing?
1: Well, I guess you would know about when this happened. It was probably a week before it came out into the public.
0: And that would have been back in the fall of 2021.
1: I got a phone call and they they told me, look, this is what happened and this is what we're going to do. And at some point I had to be interviewed by SLED because of this. And there was paperwork that had my name on it where it was moved somewhere else that I didn't sign, it wasn't my signature. I gave some signature samples and uh, it wasn't even close to my signature, so.
0: So somebody forged your signature. Yes, ma'am. And you don't know who that was. You don't know if it was Alec Murdoch, but you know that you didn't sign that paperwork.
1: Uh, I don't know who actually physically signed it. I do know that uh, Mr. Murdoch took that money and put it in another account. He, I know he did that. Unbeknownst to me, it was gone the day I gave it to him it went somewhere else.
0: And so went Alex Kahn, according to the prosecutors. Announced the week before Thanksgiving, the state grand jury now had enough to indict Alec Murdoch five times over on 27 charges. In Tommy's case, prosecutors say Alec had a check drawn for $125,000. According to the indictment, the money went from his law firm, PMPED, client trust account into a Bank of America account that Alec Murdoch set up called Forge. From there, prosecutors say Alec used Tommy's settlement money for his own personal expenses like overdraft fees, cash, and checks written to unnamed associates. Prosecutors say Alec set up the Forge account to mimic the real Forge Consulting, a firm that's well known in these parts for handling structured settlements like Tommy's. But let's go back. Remember, this is the same named account. Prosecutors say Alec used to steal $4.3 million in the 2018 settlement case of his late housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. Gloria died as a result of a trip and fall accident at the Murdoch family home. We devoted episode seven in this podcast to her case. And in October, 2021, a month before the first state indictments, prosecutors told the judge They were following the stolen money trail Alec allegedly left behind.
3: He had been carrying a $100,000 credit card balance for months. That gets paid off. He writes 300 and some odd grand to his father. He writes a check for 610 grand to himself. He writes a check for 125 grand to himself.
0: But it only foreshadowed what's to come.
3: This is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, it is. Uh, this is an ongoing investigation, and I think there's going to be far more that we will reveal as
4: we review these records.
0: Truer words never spoken. It was enough ammunition to keep Alec locked up. And that's in October. Drew Tripp, our podcast producer, took a good look at these indictments.
3: Alec Murdoch has been hit with 15 indictments from the statewide grand jury since November 2021. The indictments spell out more than 70 felony charges for Murdoch. Each charge is related to his alleged financial crimes, including fraud, money laundering, and forgery. The charges span at least 11 years and more than a dozen reported victims. State investigators believe Murdoch has stolen at least $8.4 million from former clients in that time frame. And that's what we know about so far, anyway. Each new round of indictments has gone a little farther back in time, showing the progression of Murdoch's alleged schemes along the way. The earliest cases date back to 2011. Prosecutors say Murdoch back then was writing checks from his former law firm's accounts pretending the money was for settlement payouts. However, Murdoch was supposedly making those checks out directly to Palmetto State Bank in Hampton and would use the checks to buy money orders from the bank. The indictments claim Murdoch would then have those money orders made payable to a family member, other client accounts, and business associates. Then the money would be used to pay off debts, loans, or just for personal benefit. None of it going to the client's. Prosecutors say Murdoch eventually shifted to the now well-known Forge scheme we've mentioned a few times over the last several months. If convicted on all the charges related to these alleged schemes, Murdoch could face hundreds and hundreds of years in prison.
0: Here's how South Carolina attorney Justin Bamberg puts it. When we spoke in January 2022, Bamberg was already representing eight clients who suspect they've been caught up in Alec Murdoch's alleged fraud schemes. Only two are counted in the indictments as of yet.
4: What we've come to find out is that um, there was Satterfield, at least a decade before there was Satterfield, and individuals uh, started reaching out about uh, their missing money. And, you know, there's a lot of allegedly stole. It was, there's no allegedly stole. Alex stole people's money. People trusted him. Uh, clients trusted him, and he stole from them. Period. I think uh, his own lawyer said during the bond hearing uh, something to the effect of, "Yeah, Alex, Alex stole." Um, you know, and it, it's the further uh, the further we've dug, the more depressing it actually is. Uh, especially when you hear some of the stories from uh, some of the victims. Of Alex misdeeds.
0: What shocked you?
4: Well, when you when you initially see the first round of indictments and you're like, okay, he stole from how many people? And then you see the number grow and you see the amounts grow. And you start adding this thing up, and it's like, okay, it passes the point of unbelievability. It's he just didn't care. And, you know, one of my clients in particular, one of the the most disturbing things that I've seen um, was the case of Hakeem Pinkney.
0: Hakeem was deaf. He was also a student at the South Carolina School for the Deaf and Blind, where he had a perfect attendance and was even student of the year. But in 2009, Hakeem's life takes a tragic turn after a car accident with his mother, his sister, and his cousin. The car's tire tread separates.
4: He was in a horrible accident. uh, Rendered a quadriplegic. And he then died in a a nursing facility. And even after his death, Alex still stole money.
0: Prosecutors say Alex stole a $310,000 settlement in 2011 from Pitney's family after Hakeem's death by passing the funds through Palmetto State Bank. Here's the Peatney's attorney again, Justin Bamberg.
4: The checks were made payable and went into Palmetto State Bank. The bank. And when you look, the person in charge of the client's money in those instances is the president of the bank. And something like that should surprise you. But nothing surprises me anymore as it pertains to what Alec did and how far he was willing to go to get the money that he wanted.
0: Now court records show former bank CEO Russell Lafitte, he served as a personal representative for Pinckney in that case, meaning he would have had oversight on decisions about money and other things for the Pinckneys and direct access to their funds through the bank. But it didn't stop there. Six years later in 2017, here's Drew again.
3: Prosecutors say Alec dipped back into the Pinckney Settlement Funds several years later, this time with the help of friend and fellow lawyer Corey Fleming. Murdoch reportedly told Fleming to cut him a check out of the Pinckney Settlement Funds for close to $90,000. That check was made out to Alec's bogus bank account. Corey Fleming, of course, is Alec's longtime friend, former college roommate, and he was even the godfather to Alec's now-deceased son, Paul. Multiple court and law enforcement records show Alec has repeatedly funneled business to Corey Fleming over the years. Most conspicuously, Fleming's name pops up in the aftermath of the boat crash involving Alec's son Paul in 2019, as well as the Gloria Satterfield case. Fleming and a current Palmetto State Bank executive have been implicated as co-conspirators for Alec Murdoch in the Satterfield case. When investigators say Murdoch came up with the scheme to have Satterfield's sons sue him, He directed them to Corey Fleming to hire as their attorney. Fleming then went on to recommend the Satterfields bring in Chad Westendorf from Palmetto State Bank to be their personal representative for financial matters in the case. Now, it's important to note that while Corey Fleming's name has come up repeatedly in legal cases involving Alec Murdoch, he has not been charged with any crimes to this point. Neither has Westendorf.
0: A public relations manager hired by Palmetto State Bank relayed this statement to us.
2: Palmetto State Bank did not benefit from and received no fee for the transactions referenced in the indictment of Alec Murdoch. The bank and its board of directors have taken swift action to get to the bottom of these allegations. They remain committed to acting responsibly and doing what they can to make things right.
0: The spokesperson for the bank added that Chad Westendorf remains employed by the bank, but confirmed Russell Lafitte was fired earlier in January. So where is Alec through all of these revelations? He's sitting in jail waiting for the next shoe to drop. Alec was denied bond after the Satterfield bombshells in October. In December, his bond was set at $7 million by Judge Allison Lee. Now she's the new judge. She's overseeing the state grand jury in these indictments. When Alec tried to get his bond reduced, prosecutors asked alleged victims to speak at the hearing, but that's easier said than done when the Murdochs are involved. Here's State Prosecutor Creighton Waters at the bond reduction hearing for Alec Murdoch.
4: We've had people tell us that they faced a backlash. We've had a a victim uh, be called a snitch. We had another one who said over and over again that he's not worried as much about himself, but if he comes forward, what's gonna happen to his wife and kids? Uh, that is a general theme that we have felt throughout this case.
0: This is Alex' lawyer, Dick Harpootly, and At that same hearing, he tried to shoot down the prosecutor's argument.
2: Your Honor, I think it's important to understand a couple of things. Mr. Waters, for instance, uh, says some there. This family's so influential in Hampton County. The family's not charged. The guy sitting sitting in front of you in the jail with the mask on is the only one who's charged with anything. He's not Don Corleone. There's not some mafia family out there. If there is, then I challenge Mr. Waters to indict him. If somebody's been threatening his witnesses, they need to be indicted, not come in front of you and make these hy- hyperbolic statements about family influence and snitch. Secondly, Um, If in fact there's somebody out there in some way interfering with his investigation, then he needs to indict him. That's what he's got a grand jury for. But the one victim who did come face to face
0: with Alec at his virtual bond reduction hearing, here's trooper Tommy Moore, just 24 hours after he spoke to me.
1: I hope he does have money because he needs to pay some people back. Um, But clearly, He's a financial threat. He can get out here tomorrow. He may not con me or you or somebody else. he gonna con somebody. He's he's got a way of getting money. He's not dumb. And, you know, as far as uh he's a financial threat, in my opinion, physical threat as well. Would I be surprised if if he or somebody related to him showed up at my house with a gun? Absolutely not. Um uh, I think there's enough questions that his bond does not need to be reduced because all of a sudden, Earl uh, Mr. Mortar don't have no money. Well, guess what? I don't either. I can't pay my medical bills. And I'm gonna be forced out of this job because of my injury. And frankly, I wouldn't even be here now if I didn't have bills I have to pay. And that has to be done because that money was blatantly stolen from me. Uh, That, you know, people can argue who did that, how did that, but I can tell you right now, the check's put in his hand. I don't have anything personal against Mr. Murdoch. He's a likable guy. But the fact of the matter is, He's been so nice to me and uh, so welcoming and helpful to me that if he's going to steal the money that I need to pay my own medical bills to survive financially, he's going to steal from anybody.
0: Judge Lee held Alex Bond at $7 million. So far, the alleged fraud goes back 11 years. Is there more prior to that? It could be tough to find out. Here's Justin Bamberg again.
4: So a lot of files are not electronically accessible. Um, as far as law firms go, uh, we're not required to store files for eternity. OK, there's a set time limit there, after which you can actually destroy the entire file. Uh, with the banking records, banks do not have to store files indefinitely. There's a set time there as well, so I think you're going to be limited in terms of how far back you can go.
0: As for Tommy, he's still waiting for his full settlement. He showed us a statement from Murdoch's former firm, PMPED, that confirms the law firm sent him a check for $38,000. That's less than half of the original $100,000 settlement total. So they're asking for attorney fees? Yes, ma'am. For who? Um,
1: well, I, the way it was put to me was, the lawyer handled the case, and there was lawyers' fees that were incurred, and I had to pay lawyers' fees.
0: And this attorney is Alec Murdoch. Yes, ma'am. Who stole your money? Yes, ma'am. And now they want you to pay his attorney's fees.
1: Well, I don't know that they want me to. I, I just know that I've been told that, regardless of what he did with the money, there was still he was still responsible for securing the case and and working on the case.
0: Tommy says he'll fight the law firm over those attorney's fees and get every cent signed over to him. Meanwhile he hopes Alex stays safely behind bars as these indictments roll in.
1: It's obvious that I've obviously got involved with an attorney that has made some illegal decisions and he's very smart so my concern for the court is if you let this gentleman out you ain't going to see him again because he's going to be gone and I'm sure he has money somewhere or he'll get it from somebody else. If he didn't get like got it from me, he'll get it from somebody else. I mean, it's he's not a dumb person. You're talking about an intelligent guy who is committing crime. So that's something hard to Stop.
0: Nor was it stopped until now. Elaborate cons that prosecutors say went on for at least a decade. Millions of dollars allegedly stolen from folks like a young quadriplegic, a state trooper with a broken neck, and a widower left to care for six children. To name just a few. People distracted by life-changing events who turned to Alec for help. So what did Alec allegedly do with all that money? I asked Bamberg. You know, another question. Do you have any idea what Alec did with this money? I know that's a long shot, but are y'all looking at where that money went? What did he Um, spend? I mean, we've seen the credit card expenses and all that, but where's Alec's money?
4: I have been racking my brain to try and come up with ideas about where the heck did all of this cash go? Because, see, the other thing you got to keep in mind is it's not just stolen money. On every single case, there were very, very, very good legal fees generated. So not only did you get paid, you then stole even more. And where did it all go?
1: He's a financial threat, in my opinion. Physical threat as well. Would I be surprised if, if he or somebody related to him showed up at my house with a gun? Absolutely not.
0: Unsolved South Carolina was brought to you by me, Ann Emerson, along with producer Drew Trump and editor Daniel Michener. Original music by Maxwell Harrison. Coming up.
1: Not only has he committed crimes, but he's a very, very intelligent individual who has snowed. A lot of people, including ones he worked with in his law firm for years.
0: What happened to all that money? Well, that's not the only burning question. Who killed Maggie and Paul Murdoch and why? The next time you hear from us on this podcast, that's exactly what we're going to be diving into.
2: All this is about is Mr. Waters' inability, inability to have law enforcement focus on the murders of Paul and Maggie. And they're attempting to distract From those murders.
0: If you enjoyed listening today, please consider rating and reviewing. It goes a long way to help others discover this podcast. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped.